welcome to another episode of the Business Storytelling Podcast, where Christoph Trapp shares tips and tricks around marketing and is joined by experts from around the globe. Don't forget to check out his new book, Content Performance Culture, available worldwide on Amazon and on AuthenticStorytelling.net. Enjoy this episode. Hey, business storytellers, it's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. Thanks for joining me. Episode 171. And today we want to talk about rebranding, what goes into rebranding and what's what put this topic the top of my list, because I'm not a big fan of these involved projects, quite frankly. But um, I've been following the Washington Redskins my entire um, life, really, since I knew what American football was, grew up in Germany. Um, and of course, the Redskins back then were really, really good. The Hawks, the linemen, some of you guys might remember them. Um, they really, I don't, I don't want to say encouraged me. They don't know me. But, um, you know, I kind of tried to become a lineman just like like they were a lineman back in the day. And, of course, today, 2020, the Redskins name will be gone. We don't know what it's going to be. Uh, all kinds of different names out there, Red Wolves, Red Tails, uh, Washington Football Club, other things like that. Um, and, you know, I still got my, my old hats here, I guess, now for the Washington Redskins, old jerseys, other things. But rebranding takes time, right? We're just a month and a half out from the season. Um, so I thought it would be a good time to talk about how, what goes into rebranding. Uh, how do we get it done quickly? How long does it even take? How can it go wrong? Those kind of things. So two experts out in the field um, that I invited on the show today. Uh, Leanne Eddins, um, she's based here in Cedar Rapids as well, uh, relatively close to me, uh, and she's worked in the branding world for a long time. Leanne, how's it going? Yeah, it's going great. Thank you for having me, Christoph. Yeah, you bet. And then the other guest, Nick Westergaard. Uh, Nick, of course, you've read on the blog, AuthenticStorytelling.net. He shared tips on there on, on how to pick your podcast name and, and other quotes here and there and, and shared knowledge. And of course, he has the um, on brand podcast. So check that out. Uh, and I was a guest on that before as well. Nick, how's it going today? It is going great, Christoph. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for making the time. Um, so rebranding, I mean, what an interesting topic. And, you know, my experience, every time I had to rebrand anything, it is just so much work. It takes a long time. Uh, is that just me or do you guys feel similarly? Uh, no, it's it's a big it's it's a it's a heavy lift. It's nothing. I, I don't think uh, any, anyone wakes up at the beginning of the day and says, "You know what would be an easy thing to do? We're just going to go do a little bit of rebranding," um, because it it <laughs> does or it should kind of get into your your brand's meaning, your story, everything else. It's kind of like when you dig in the garden and find, you know, the, the root system that, that goes across everything. So uh, there's a lot of work to, to attend to. Uh, branding is a, a, extremely important and you're right. It is not an awful lot of work. A lot of people get very simplistic about it. Um, but the bigger the entity that has this story and this brand going on, the more complicated it is. Okay, so someone who's just starting out in business, yeah, they can they could get a 
quickly get an image and call it their brand and try to plaster it everywhere. And that is probably the lowest common denominator of uh, variables that um, you know are common or uh, similar in branding. And then you get up to, you know, like your Washington Redskins, they have uh, a full investment in this brand for years and years. And they have, a, you know, a big audience that um, is part of that brand story and part of the brand. Um, they own the brand, if you will, um, even though uh, the the image and the logo and everything else is is thoroughly part of the Washington Redskins um, football team. Their their um, their uh, fans are who support help support that. But um, they've they've actually made quite a big decision right here, and not without pressure. But uh, it was time for a change for them. Something that had been discussed uh, for a long time. So when you talk about a brand story, yep. So when you when you talk about the brand story, right? So how how attaches the brand story to what the brand looks like? So there's been, for example, with the Redskins, there's been a big debate over some people don't want to change, some people want to change, and then they have a debate over what it should be changed to. And of course, there is a story attached to the logo, right? There is a story attached to the name. There is for me, for sure. Uh, but how much is, I mean, that story, how do you feel about that? Some people were saying that story doesn't go away just because you changed the name and the logo. I mean, does it go away or does well, it, icons I, I think, are I mean, important. it's still part of history, I guess. I mean, iconography is important and it doesn't go away directly, but I think it goes away with time or um, with the visual input, it's, it's, uh, it changes over time. for the interruption. Do you need help with digital marketing for your small to medium-sized business? Reach out now and drop us a message at ctrap at gmail.com. Well, and I think one thing that I, I keep thinking of when we talk about the, the broad topic of, of rebranding, uh, recently on, on my aforementioned on-brand podcast, I had Jim Heininger on who has an agency aptly named Rebranding Experts that focuses on uh, rebranding assignments. And he pointed out that really there's, there's kind of three different levels. He talked about a refresh, which is updating the look and feel. We see this all the time. I mean, the easiest example just drove by the UPS truck. Most people didn't even notice that uh, the, the shield on the UPS changed a few years ago from being a little package with string on it to a little more streamlined. Uh, there's repositioning when you take your brand and update its positioning to a new audience like Old Spice has done mm. with uh, recontextualizing the product and the brand. And then there's a total rebrand where it's a comprehensive revision of everything. And as you look at all of these, I think that that is where, kind of touching on what Leanne said about how the iconography is important, but when you take away the name, and most brands that, that are team brands, there's there's other pieces that go with that. There's other, other connections to the story, and I, I think that 
I, uh, there's a tricky path forward if you try to keep some of that story because I'll, I'll admit to I, I did not uh, I was not steeped in Washington Redskins lore uh, growing up as a team so I really don't know much about them beyond the name the icon uh, but I, I I I don't know what there is there that you can keep that's not going to be similarly problematic. So I, I I would look at building a new story, a stronger story, uh, that really does take the shape. Uh, if we look at those those three levels that that Jim shared with me, I, I think it needs to be a comprehensive rebrand. I would tend to agree with that. Uh, what Nick said and. Um, Talking about that, I, I, I don't know that much about football. I'm not a huge fan big uh, or a big follower. But I do remember when uh, I lived in Houston, Texas for many years when I first got out of college. And um, down at, they had the Houston Oilers, right? So no. they don't exist anymore. Who are they? They're the Tennessee Titans. OK, they were sold as a, you know, and that was, you know, a... Uh, they were repositioned. They were they were sold as an entity. Um, so they they underwent a rebrand because they were creating that new story, and um, the Oilers as as a team ceased to exist. As as that was now, I don't know if that's what's going to happen with the Washington Redskins. I I wouldn't think so. I they're staying put, and they'll still have their fan base. And when I think about the Redskins being a tricky thing to navigate, you know, the Chiefs aren't under the same kind of scrutiny. The Kansas City Chiefs, even though they're they're talking about Native Americans as well. So um, I I'm sure there'll be some brilliant minds on this. Um, and I know that these loyalties and these brand loyalties can run so very deep um, that it you know it, it's going to take a while. People get emotionally involved with a brand. The bigger and more lasting this brand is, the more pervasive it is, the more people get um, emotionally, the audience gets emotionally engaged. And so th I think that's the tricky part for um, for the Redskins <clears throat> this year or this year. And I don't think they'll get it done. They won't get it done uh, before the season starts at all. Unless they can really you surprise know us. You know, Leanne, uh, you bringing up the Oilers uh, is is interesting because it, it's different circumstances, different backstory, different mm -hmm. reasons. But uh, this this could sound a little hippy dippy because you're right. The team didn't move, but I feel like our cultural sensibilities have moved quite a bit. So while the location has stayed the same, I feel like it's almost just as unacceptable as it was to put a team called the Oilers uh, in, in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think that it, it kind of all, all bears out that it's, it's, it's time for, for, for a new story yeah. here. Well, and we know that that happened here locally <clears throat> and not so much Cedar Rapids as the headquarters, but uh, PepsiCo, um, uh, uh, Quaker Oats, and their uh, Aunt Jemima is retiring after 130 years, um, the Aunt Jemima brand. And Aunt Jemima is funny enough, um, she went through several refreshes in the time since yeah. her, since the inception of Aunt Jemima pancake mix. 
she was the first one in the 1880s. And um, she was uh, part of that black archetype of the mammy, which was um, a big, big stereotype. And then she was up, upgraded, you know, and she, she became more modernized. And finally, it was uh, Aunt Jemima was in pearls and a lace collar at the end, uh, looking very much the modern woman. But uh, that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough. She was with an obvious stereotype. And in light of our uh, uh, political and social uh, social upheavals right now, um, you know, this was something that PepsiCo jumped on fast. They, they, they really uh, reacted quickly, I thought. And it could be that it's because PepsiCo has had um, uh, serious... Uh, issues with other brands and rebrands uh, in its past um, that actually uh, cost them quite a bit of money. Uh, and I'm referring to something that happened um, about 11 years ago in 2009 was uh, uh, the Tropicana Pure Premium brand changed and did an, an entire rebrand. They were um, their iconic um, orange with a straw in it signifying their orange juice. Uh, it was their top seller. And uh, they, they spent an, uh, tens of millions of dollars on an ad campaign and a repackage and a rebrand. They launched it in January. And by the end of February, they had removed it because no one recognized the brand anymore. They lost market share. They had, uh, they had to retool and repackage. They had to recall all of that. They had to uh, get back into production with the old Tropicana Pure Premium with the orange on the front. And it remained that way to this day. In two months, they had a $30 million drop in sales because of this rebrand. Um, the entire, uh, the entire um, debacle uh, cost them over $50 million, you know? So branding is really important and it's really important to get it done right. Well, and I, I think those are two interesting examples to look at Aunt Jemima uh, and, and the Redskins. And I think of which one of those, if you could pick one of these, challenging brands to be right now. I, I think I'd much rather be uh, the Redskins team because you have a, a culture, you have, you have fans, you have so many things. Cause in thinking of the Aunt Jemima brand, a real challenge is that they are a, a bit of what's called a zombie brand where you see it in consumer package goods all the time. It's just there. Right. I mean, I, I've thought about this a lot, and I, in our family, I do our quarantine grocery shopping once a week, <laughs> and I've walked by that, and I, I've thought, you know, I we buy the store brand anyways. Yeah. I it, there's really nothing, nothing remarkable. It's not special in flavor. It's not oh, you know what tastes <laughs> really different and better is is Aunt Jemima. It's not it's not organic. It's not. I mean, it's it's commercial syrup it's not even the true maple syrup that you need for recipes so in, in terms of what that has going for it beyond the 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 pepsico distribution it, it's it there's very little very little to work with there 
I would agree. I, I can, I thought to myself, what am I going to do without Aunt Jemima? And I'm like, what did I ever do with her? You know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, it just really doesn't matter. It's, a, it's kind of a zero sum game. They can just take the same product and repackage and rebrand it. And, you know, uh, they may want, there are people who are brand loyal to various things. And I have a few of those. Uh, I, I tend to be a Mac person, you know, and I have a few other things that I, that I uh, tend to be um, just a fangirl about, but um, yeah, pancakes aren't one of them. Uh, at least not pancakes that I have to make myself. Well, and I think we can, uh, you know, that this actually, it's the inner podcaster in me that, that is, is always looking for the segue. But I think this does get back to, to the story concept to, I mean, that's the architecture that's missing is that there's nothing behind that. And that's what I think the Redskins, uh, there, there, there's, there's a team, there's fans, there's, there's an architecture to build on. Uh, I love what Leanne just said about what what's what's she done for me. I I don't know, I don't know what's there. There's there's not a there there. Uh -huh. So Nick, do you? We already heard Leanne's opinion on the on the Redskins being able to rebrand or not this quickly. I assume you would say uh, yeah. they're not and going to be able it's, to it's, I mean, just like we've been saying since the beginning of the show, it's it's a heavy lift. And even when folks have time to consider it, it usually sneaks up on them how long this is really going to take. Because there's often, you know, with anything uh, <clears throat> brand related that is a, a big uh, a big reworking of, of who you are and what you stand for, you've got to start from the inside out and do a lot of internal work with your team to make sure that your I mean, team being literal in this case, but your uh, the the executive team, the front office that's that's a part of this beyond the uh, the actual athletic team, uh, and and then a campaign beyond that. So and then you have to talk yeah. about all the tactical things that actually. This is where I would get in. The logo has to be applied to everything. It has to be reapplied and replaced. And we're talking physical goods. You're talking helmets, you're talking uniforms, you're talking everything. everything. <laughs> you can't do that in a month and a half. Right. Oh yeah, and 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 we're talking about teams here too and I said I'd much mm -hmm. I'd rather have <laughs> that than than the Aunt Jemima problem, but it's not to be taken lightly. I spoke with the uh the CMO of the Minnesota Vikings on on the on brand podcast a few years ago and he talked about even their they did one of those refreshes where they just streamlined the Viking. And they said that they didn't take that lightly either. They said, our logo is literally tattooed on people. <laughs> so, and that was, that was a first uh, in, in my talk of, of rebranding uh, on the podcast, but they have a very real point here too. Exactly. Well, I, I, I don't think they're going, they're going to add that to the entrance yeah. list to have to remove tattoos on long-term friends, uh, fans, but good, fantastic, fantastic point. But you know what I heard when people were saying, oh, we'll do it by the season starts or we'll try to or whatever. I took that almost like when people come to me and they say, can we have this done in the next 30 minutes? And I'm saying, let me rephrase what you just said. Can we have this two-day project done in the next 30 minutes? No, right? They just people don't know how long stuff takes because they never they've never done it, and they don't have to do it. 
Um, so let's talk about when should brands decide to rebrand? I know you talked about the, the, the refresh, full rebrand. Uh, there's differences. That was a fantastic episode of the On Brand, on Brand podcast. We'll make sure to link to it for sure here. Uh, but, but well, how if do you we haven't started, scared everyone away from, from rebranding here rebrand. uh, on this podcast, I mean, I, I think that you have to ultimately uh, make sure that it, it is worth it, that those benefits do outweigh those risks. But I think getting started, it, it comes back to knowing what it is you're trying to do, the refresh, reposition, or rebrand. Uh, a lot of times, you know, if, if you are refreshing, that, that gets into what Leanne was mentioning, that it becomes a, a little more tactical in terms of, okay, we're going to do this, and we need to change it here, here, here. And we need to talk about what it, what what it's what it's for, and and explain it to people. Um, the other the other steps in there, uh, the the repositioning, is really a back end marketing analytics exploration that you need to understand who your new audience is and how you are repositioning your brand for this audience. So I think that that level is much more audience driven. Uh, and, and the bigger rebrand is, is I think a larger business case rebrand of we are, we need to become someone else. Um, you know, and, and if you get any of that wrong, uh, you know, you see, you see horror stories of that. Like I, I there's things I don't understand. Like, like Weight Watchers as the as as the WW, right. um, because I I don't know what that means anymore. And Weight Watchers communicated so much, and uh, now that they've essentially kind of made themselves nameless, I you know you don't even know how to talk about them. So I I don't understand what went into that and how they got there because I I think that your brand at its your rebrand at its most basic level shouldn't interfere with simple things like how people talk about you. Well, one thing about um, uh, Weight Watchers or the WW now um, is the uh, another another societal impact of body shaming that it felt like or that there is a group of people who felt like Weight Watchers, you know, was so focused on that watching that weight go down or watching whatever. So because body shaming is, it has become a thing. And so the, 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 the pressure of the audience is part of what maybe, you know, had them go through this brand. Uh, it, it wasn't a total <laughs> rebrand. Okay. They're, they're hanging on. This is still us these people, but we're not shaming you anymore is kind of what they say. Dove did that without a rebrand. They did a reposition about this is about beauty of everybody's beauty, of every woman's beauty, no matter what the traditional uh, stereotypes of beauty have been. One great um, uh, rebrand that I was a part of in uh, my last career, my last employed career, um, gets at this point of your your audience is who um, who can really sway or prompt a rebrand. Um, I worked at University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics, of which the UI Children's Hospital is a part. Now, um, I you guys are 
obviously, or I'm uh, apparently, I hope, are uh, familiar with uh, University of Iowa Children's Hospital. Yes? Mm -hmm. yes? Yes. Well, they uh, changed 10 years ago from Children's Hospital of Iowa. Do you remember that? Nope. No. That was the best brand change ever because we, people were already calling us UI Children's. Yeah. <laughs> they were calling us that. Okay. So for us to say, okay, we're University of Iowa Children's Hospital of Iowa because it was this so grandfathered in name and everything else. So, the, you know, when it was, we, we saw it was, it was bulky, it was hard to deal with. And people called us UI Children's anyway. So we just changed it to the obvious. And that was the easiest major rebrand I've ever been involved with because no one noticed. It didn't bother anybody. It, we didn't lose market share. We didn't lose. We gained brand recognition from doing that. You know, yeah. it, 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 we, we just linked up the obvious. And so in that regard, the constituency, the audience, it really, really helped show which way we needed to go in the first it, so very interesting story i don't remember that at all but yeah. <laughs> sometimes a re a rebrand doesn't even matter when my credit union changed their name i really don't care like they're now a new name do you know what i mean like i've been with them i'm going to stay with them i'm not attached to the name well, like at all um, so, I mean, is that just me? Well, I, you know, a rose by any or? other name, as Shakespeare would say, is still, still <laughs> sweet, right? As long as you know what you're getting, like for the Tropicana Pure Premium story I told before, people couldn't find their orange juice. They couldn't find it because it didn't look like it wasn't in the shelf anymore. And they didn't read looking for it. They were looking for their iconic orange with the straw sticking out of it and it was nowhere to be found okay so in that um in that regard it did matter because people couldn't find them anymore so um if if you can still be found <laughs> and uh then it may not yeah it may not matter so much well, it's like where I think you end up kind of crossing the lines and back to those three buckets again. But if they were just trying to do a refresh, they ended up accidentally almost repositioning themselves, which was not their intention. Exactly. So, yeah, very interesting. So I, I know we had some of these answers already embedded here. Is there anything else that goes into a rebrand? I know it's a long, long process. Anything else high level that's worth sharing that we haven't talked about? Well, already? it doesn't work for the Redskins, uh, but I mean, tactics, take the time to do it uh, right. Strategy, I mean, they're forced uh, into a situation that uh, they're going to do the best that they can. And if you don't have the time, if you were looking at what your equivalent of the Redskins upcoming season, if it's your busy season and you can't commit to doing it right and you're not driven by it, give it that extra year. Give it that that window of time. So yeah. you want that working for you, not against you. Yeah, I would I would second that. Um, quick decisions aren't the best decisions when it comes to branding, because there there's just so much out there as well. You uh, a brand is a copyrighted entity, and you can't you there's legal ramifications. You can't step on it. For instance, Lady Antebellum. 
uh, in the country music. They, they were dropping the antebellum and they started calling themselves Lady A. Well, unfortunately, there was another um, singer already established with decades long career and her name is Lady A. <laughs> and so now yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's a problem there. So uh, <laughs> yeah, you, that's not something to take and do in a hasty way at all. So there, there is a real problem with that. I mean, I, you know, things can go wrong. And the, the one example that come to my mind, and we don't, we're not going to name any names here, but they went through an entire rebrand, came up with a new name. The name was rolled out, you know, mm-hmm. here's the parade <laughs> for the new brand, et cetera, et cetera. And then all of a sudden, the brand that already owned the copy. Well, and you can even see some of that <laughs> trailing on, on the Redskins so, when they uh, first get because we're getting, I mean, it's always, involved, I just feel like nothing is quite breaking their way because they announced that, yes, we're going to change the name. Okay, what's the other half of the story? We can't tell you that yet. And then if you dig a little deeper, you <laughs> see that they're also caught up in some of what Christoph just mentioned, that there's some trademarking issues so whatever they were going to move to already seems uh like they they can't get it so (laughs) right so apparently the story how i read it was some people went out Uh, and immediately bought the trademarks for all the different names that were being thrown around and now they're i don't know if they're going to try to sell them to them or or whatnot (laughs) um but that's that's a story that was going around The, the funny thing this is totally inside baseball or inside football. <laughs> ha ha. Uh, you know, I mean, somebody was, there was a rumor on Twitter that the Redskins had uh, paid off officials. Uh, <laughs> Redskins official responded. If that was true, we need to get a refund because nothing has gone our way the last two decades, which <laughs> is about, which, which is about true. Um so, but how else can a rebrand go wrong? I mean, well, the market uh, let's take the see. New you talked about the market might not understand it. I, I think sometimes one, but, you don't even have to go that go far if, you're, if your own people don't issues. understand it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that can be both a challenge that ends up happening and is also a misstep on, on the other end. So taking that mm-hmm. extra time to communicate internally why we've done this, what this means, um, when Unity Point uh, changed their name and did a lot of consolidating, uh, they actually armed their executives with a, a little pocket card that they could, you know, take around to the various meetings to the to different social clubs that they were uh, a part of. That they, you know, with some of those answers to frequently asked questions, and it sounds could sound corny it could sound like overkill but it was very very plain spoken why'd you change your name will this continue what 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 can we expect from it some of these easy things that you want some uniformity in what those answers are so taking the time to spend to make sure that your people know what to say and how to talk is is key and when you so the the Redskins is kind of unusual, right? Because every uh-huh. little blow is being played out publicly. Um, most brands, when they rebrand, they do it behind the close behind closed doors, right? I mean, or, or do you know usually. of any other brands where they? No, I, I think that uh, to people like Leanne and I that have actually worked on that, I, I cringe at the it. idea <laughs> of usually, a. Right? I mean, it's just it. We and plus we've got a downside to social media is we've got a little bit of a of a pile on 
culture that happens. I think we all remember the the Gap brand rebranding uh, uh, debacle, but people are a little bloodthirsty. So you want to make sure that you've got all your ducks in a row and everything's ready for launch. Yeah, doing it in 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 the public eye is ugh. yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Usually, it's a boardroom kind of decision. That at least when it starts, and not and and not uh, part of social media. Well, in this yeah. instance, the Gap they they uh, recanted on their brand, their rebrand as well, and theirs was oh. kind of more of a refresh. But they quickly backtracked because of social pressure. I, yeah, and that was just, I mean, there's so many different things that you can point to as a, a real, a real clumsy outing, because I also, again, empathizing with the creatives that worked on it, I, I remember that statement from leadership saying, ah, no, we didn't mean it. I, I thought, oh, man, I, way to way to hang your, your hardworking team out to dry yeah. there. Way to throw them under the bus there. <laughs> No kidding. But, you know, I, I, aesthetics aside, um, because that's what that one uh, apparently came down to, you know, I, 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 I am one. I remember the Pepsi, when Pepsi changed their brand um, from the, red, from the uh, sphere with the red and blue on it to kind of a, it looks almost like a wave now. Uh, and this was probably another six or eight years ago as well. I never liked that brand very well, but they just stuck with it and said, here it is. And whether anybody really gave them much of a pushback or not, that's what it is now. And there's, they're sticking with it. So, um, you know, brands can be tricky and uh, knowing when it's going to create that huge backlash, such as what happened with the gap. Great overview, you guys, Nick and Leanne, I really appreciate your time and insights. Um, where can people find you, Nick? I know we talked about your podcast, remind people where they can connect with you. Uh, you can find all things Nick Westergaard related at nickwestergaard.com. That's Westergaard with two A's. And uh, if you want to drill down deeper on the podcast, that's onbrandpodcast.com. That's terrific. Okay. I just, just jotting that down. Okay, you can you can reach me at <laughs> laedins.com. Fantastic. Thank you guys for sharing all these insights. And if you have to go through a rebrand, um, give either one of us a call and condolences. But no, seriously, give us a call. <laughs> and hopefully you have more than six weeks to do it. Thanks, everyone for listening. Until next time.